Thank you for joining me today to meditate on the beauty and the depth of the Word of God. Today I'd like to speak about the truth of the Word of God. More importantly, how we need His truth to live the life that God has intended for us to live. Blaise Pascal once said that nothing gives rest but the sincere search for truth. The reality is that this search begins and ends in Christ. So today, let's meditate on this. As Paul teaches the church in Ephesus about the reality of the spiritual warfare, he goes on to give the various components of what he called the whole armor of God. Our focus today is on one specific component of this armor, described in the first part of the 14th verse of Ephesians chapter 6. And this is how it reads, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the belt of truth. At the heart of our spiritual warfare, we have one key word, lies. The Bible calls Satan the father of lies, and deception is his whole strategy. If he can have you believe his lies, he will have you captive. Captive believing that you are less, that you are not enough, that you are an accident, that nobody likes you, that you are inadequate, that you don't measure up, that you are not loved, leading you to question the reasons for living. But if you believe one lie, you will fall into another and another, making you captive to these lies and ultimately leading you to death. The fall of man happened when we believed the first lie in the Garden of Eden. And at the end of times, the enemy will come declaring his greatest lie that he is the savior. All he has to offer you and to throw at you are lies. It is not a coincidence that Paul starts with truth as the first component of the armor of God. Truth is a spiritual weapon that empowers us to withstand evil. To understand the implications of what Paul is teaching us in Ephesians, we need to take a look at what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, that says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. A stronghold, a fortified place, a protected enclosure where the members of a militia stay and can defend themselves against attacks. A place of security, and survival, a fortified structure. That is a stronghold. If you've been looking for something the enemy is responsible for, here you have it. Our enemy is fully responsible for being the sole architect, designer, and mastermind of spiritual, spiritual stronghold. In the Garden of Eden, the only action of the serpent was to spark a thought. A thought that became a desire, a desire that became a decision, a decision that became an action. But it all started with the intriguing appeal of a thought. For the serpent said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The thought of doubt and insecurity. To that the, the serpent added, and you will be like God. The thought of a lacking identity. These thoughts became the fertile ground for the seed of temptation that after conceived gave birth to sin, and sin when fully grown gave birth to death. What is a spiritual stronghold if not the compilation of our thought processes and thinking patterns that arise against the truth of the Word of God? Satan wants nothing else than to strongly hold you from the truth. And the only way to strongly hold you from the truth is to stir up your thoughts away from the truth. Or as Paul himself said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded 
the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So to bring strongholds down is to demolish all thought patterns that rise against the knowledge of God. In other words, to bring down lies. Israel's journey in the desert gives us a great picture of our spiritual struggle to overcome the enemy's lies. When Israel left Egypt, it took them 40 years to get to their destination. For 40 years, they went through the wilderness, and the wilderness became the symbol of their struggle. So the wilderness is for Israel what the mind is for you and me, a battlefield. Israel spent 40 years in the desert from their deliverance to their inheritance. These 40 years are meaningful because they represent their transformation, the transformation that doesn't happen overnight, but it is a process, making the desert symbolic of the process, the process of the transformation of the mind. Your mind is a wilderness, and in the wilderness of your mind, you are confronted with lies. As Israel goes through their wilderness, there are nations that stand against them to keeping them from getting to their inheritance. And each nation that stood against them in an attempt to keeping them from God's promise is for me a thought that rises against the knowledge of God in the wilderness of my mind. Yes, each nation is a thought. Maybe you never thought about it this way, but what is a nation if not a collection of common thoughts that become a culture and in time they become a legal institution with its own geographical boundaries, its language, constitution, and flag? All these elements reflect nothing else but a thought. This nation, for example, was built on a thought that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain undeniable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Today our nation continues to pursue these thoughts. Thoughts. All the devil must do to set a stronghold is to influence the thought. That is all he did in the garden. And with a simple thought, he will bind a man. He will bind a family. He will capture a culture and even poison the fabric of a nation. A bond so deep that you will believe it is who you are. For the Bible says, as the man thinks in his heart, so is he. And each thought that rises against the knowledge of God is nothing else, nothing more than a lie. So in this conflict, we're not really fighting the devil as much as we are fighting his lies that, that are working to strongly hold you. There are four fundamental lies the devil will deceive you with. He will lie to you about your heritage. He will lie to you about your giftedness. He will lie to you about your purpose. And he will lie to you about God. Satan has said lies about our heritage. In other words, he has fed us lies about where we come from and who we are. In the first line in the garden, the serpent said, you will be like God. And what he implied without saying is that you were really like something else because your likeness is a reflection of your inheritance. Heritage says that you are stuck with traits that you can't get rid of and tendencies that are hard to shake of. So Satan will limit your heritage to your earthly heritage to make you believe that you are limited to the traits and tendencies of your natural bloodline. Don't fight the abusive in you, it's your heritage. Don't fight the addicted in you. Don't fight the unfaithful in you, it's your heritage. Don't fight the anger in you because it is who you are. 
The lie that you cannot fight who you are because you are broken. And you're broken because you come from a broken place. But the truth is that your true heritage does not start with broken. It starts with wholesome. Your true heritage is beautiful. It's glorious. It's wholesome. It goes beyond your natural bloodline to a divine bloodline through Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is that there are divine traits and tendencies ingrained in you that you can't get rid of and your spirit can't shake of. The psalmist said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In the same way, Satan will lie to you about the giftedness in you. He wants you to believe that your giftedness must look like somebody else's giftedness in order to be accepted. That the value of your gift is measured by the gift of someone else. God created you to be unique with a -a one-of-a-kind anointing that nobody else can walk into. God has not created me to walk in the anointing that he has given you. When you don't understand the truth of who God has called you to be, you will feel tempted to become a people pleaser in pursuit of people's acceptance. You will do anything so that people will validate your anointing, so that people will praise your giftedness. You will feel tempted to measure your giftedness against the giftedness of other people. So that so you will find uh, in a position to find acceptance in others, thinking that if it worked for them, it will work for you. Let me tell you that the longer you believe this lie, the longer you'll be missing out in your own kingdom success, featuring your anointing, your own skill set, your own calling, your own God-given gift. God has called you to be you. God is so infinite in his being that although we are all uniquely distinct, we all still fit in his glorious image and likeness. Satan will also lie about your purpose. The reason he will lie about your purpose is because he knows that purpose is what drives you. So if he can make you believe that you have no purpose, he will drain the energy out of your life. And if he can make you believe that that you have a wrong purpose, he will drive you into an unfit destiny. Uh, Many have believed that their purpose evolved around themselves that they will feel satisfied and fulfilled if they please themselves. If I can only have more money, if I can only have more possessions and status, I will be satisfied. Others have believed the lie that their purpose revolve around others and they will feel satisfied if, if other people will like them, if other people will accept them. The truth is that your purpose, your true purpose is to please God, is to worship Him. The true motivator of your soul will always be Christ, and it's Christ-centered. And to satisfy this purpose, you must always try to answer the question, how can I exalt Him? How can I please Him? How can I worship Him today? Lastly, the most critical lie, and the first of all lies, is the lie that Satan has declared about God. He has made many believe that you can't believe what God says, that His word is not true. He has made many believe that God's love is not true, that that he is wrath but not love. Therefore, he is not worthy of my devotion. He has made many believe that if I cannot touch God, if I can't see God, if he is not physically present here in my reality, he cannot be real. So to answer these lies, God turns to the son and asks him, would you go? So Jesus became flesh and dwelled among us to destroy the lie that God is not present. So Jesus came and fulfilled all the prophecies about him to destroy the lie that you cannot trust God's word. 
Also, Jesus came and forgave sinners and died for them to destroy the lie that he is wrath and not love. So why is the truth so important in fighting our spiritual battle? Because Paul said truth is a belt. How is that? Let me explain why Paul called truth a belt. Paul understood the importance of proper preparation for battle. And when he gives this analogy, he is trying to tell you something about the purpose of truth. When a soldier would dress himself for battle, he would put on a tunic, and this tunic was loose, and will have excess fabric on all sides. This fabric let loose was a hindrance to their mobility in battle. This excess fabric was a hindrance to their speed. The enemy could hold on to this excess fabric to pull them back. Just like in football, they needed a tighter fit to make it harder for the enemy to hold on to you and pull you back. The belt provided a tight fit. In addition, the belt was the anchor where they will rest their sword and other battle tools. Without a belt, a soldier will be vulnerable in battle because he couldn't keep all his things together. Truth serves that very same purpose. It allows for a tight fit. It is the place you anchor your battle tool. So truth is what helps you keep it all together. When the enemy comes to you like a flood, it is only because of truth that you can keep it all together. How many times the enemy has thrown all he's got against you and everybody thought that you wouldn't make it, that you will lose it, but somehow you were still standing, somehow you still kept it, kept it together. It was truth that held you together. When the enemy threw lies against you about your heritage, it was truth that kept you together. When the enemy threw lies against you about your giftedness, it was truth that kept you together. When the enemy threw lies against you about your purpose, it was truth that kept you together. When the enemy threw lies against you about who God is, it was the truth about his love that kept you together. The secret to pull down the strongholds of lies is refusing to accept them. Never conforming to them, but renewing our minds and subjecting our thoughts in obedience to the Word of God. Let me conclude by reminding you that truth is not an academic pursuit. Truth is not a mathematical equation. Truth is not a cultural monopoly. Truth is not hostage to the wise of the earth. Truth is not a concept. Truth is not subjective to individual experiences. Truth is a reality that exists unchangeable in the person of Christ. Therefore, we just can't separate the pursuit of truth from the pursuit of Christ. I would like to speak over your life the words of Jesus Christ as he prayed to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth.